Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Michael Brandvold, and as always, I'm joined by Jay Gilbert. How are you doing today, Jay? Great, Michael. How are you? Good, good. So, obviously, everybody sees we've got a special guest joining us this week, and uh, this is his return visit. You know, Ari, I can't, I, I, you know, if I did show prep, what is show prep? I never do that. I would, I would know when you were on last time, but this is your second time on the Music Biz Weekly podcast. Yeah. Uh, I want to welcome back Ari Herstand. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's good to be back. I, I don't remember the last time when it was either. It's but probably been. It's at least over a year. Definitely sure. over a year. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Cool. So yeah. So well, welcome back. It's always it's always good to. Um, well, I should say it's always good to have you on, but I love reading your stuff. I mean, oh, thank you, you. you are, you know, the the quintessential DIY artist. <laughs> <laughs> and you do a lot for DIY artists. You know, I, I appreciate that. And I read, you know, the things that you write. And uh, I even share a lot of the things that you write. Um, I have a, a weekly industry email that goes out to artists and managers and I like a lot of the things you write are very insightful. Um, I used to tour as a musician. I understand a lot of what you're going through. But uh, for our uh, our viewers and listeners out there, do yourself a favor and, and dig into this a little bit and check out some of Ari's work. Some of the music you've done is just phenomenal. Um, you've done some really amazing songs. And I, I think that you know we all enjoy music that we're exposed to and this gives you an opportunity to kind of go out and and check some of this stuff out i think you'll find it it uh, is really good i i i know i know jay's got a number of topics he wants to pick your brain on but the one that i really want to touch on is is how do you balance being a musician and being a you know could be argued a full-time music marketing professional at the same time you know how do you how do you structure your time and and what tools do you use meaning what software what apps what do you (laughs) use to stay on top of everything uh coffee is my number one tool (laughs) um yeah so right i mean in addition i suppose to um, my music career, which which I suppose is number one, um, and it has been number one, uh, kind of my entire career. But I also uh, right, I run Ari's Take, my blog. I write for Digital Music News. Um, but I also, uh, well, I actually just finished a book, um, and so the book's oh, coming out. So I guess uh, author can be added to my hyphenated title <laughs> now. Um, so the book I just turned in. Um, so I spent the last uh, few months kind of doing nothing but that. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I guess I also do a bit of acting since I'm in LA and it's just kind of something that people do out here. So, uh, not necessarily focused on it. So there's, there's a lot of like little, little things that I'm, that I'm doing and, um, and, and I'm still, and I guess this, um, semester you could call me a student. I'm taking a Berkeley online course on how to arrange, uh, horns for my new album because I'm going to arrange all the horn. I'm a trumpet player also. So I wanted to, uh, arrange all the intricate horn parts for my new record. So I, I'm back in school uh, this semester. Well, I guess the big question is, when do you sleep? Yeah, <laughs> not much. That's <laughs> where uh, the coffee helps. I mean, I because, mean, you know, it, it, it is a serious question because, you know, I work with a lot of clients, small indie artists up to, 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 to big, well-known artists. Mm-hmm. And so many times I'm beating my head against the wall going, you, you guys don't even have time to make one post on Facebook plus be a musician. How are you doing it? Well, I mean, I think, you know, I don't think I, I'm super new, unique in the sense that a lot of uh, artists just in general, um, I mean, a lot of creatives, I should call them, uh, at least out in L.A., uh, it's a very kind of, uh, cre- there's, a lot of, there's a lot of creative energy out here, but also entrepreneurial energy. And so there's a lot of people with, with hyphenated titles like mine. Um, I guess surrounding yourself by other um, dedicated creative minds that inspire you to, to uh, keep pushing and to to really work harder and surround yourself by positive people and uh, positive energies. Uh, that's really important. I mean, it, it might seem uh, it might seem a little hippy dippy to kind of like go into the consciousness of it all, but but really like there's a difference when everyone around you is kind of stuck in a job they hate. 
um, working, you know, behind a, in a cubicle or something like that. And, and just everything about their lives are just nothing that they want to talk positively about. And none of your friends are doing anything creatively. Um, you know, none of them are pursuing any kind of dream that they have. Uh, nothing is really inspiring in their lives. It brings you down and it, and it brings you to that place. And so, you know, I think being at least surrounding yourself with positive, uh, positive people and people that encourage you to follow your dreams instead of uh, discourage you. And, and that's just, you know, there, of course, there's a lot of that. Um, it kind of starts with with fearful parents that um, I dealt with that for the first six, seven, eight years of my career uh, with my parents who wanted me to be a doctor or a lawyer. Um, and, uh, you know, it was it was very scary for them. Uh, but uh, I guess getting more concretely like the tools that I use, um, I mean, other than just like my calendar with like my iCal, which, you know, syncs from my phone to my computer and I, and I write uh, reminders and messages and anything like that. Uh, I actually, uh, this last year I discovered Evernote. Oh, I um, love Evernote. I, you know, I, yeah. I shouldn't say I discovered, I discovered it when it first came out in like 08, 09 and I did a couple things with it, but it, it just, I don't know, I, I never got into it. And then I listened to the... Uh, the Evernote founder on Tim Ferriss's podcast, and I'm like, oh yeah, let me let me dig back in, and it's it's a godsend. I mean, it's uh, because you can sync the notes from your phone to your computer, and, and it's like format them and, and uh, really organize in the way. So that's, I mean, a lot of my book notes uh, are on Evernote. Now I write songs on Evernote, so I, I use wow. like if I'm walking, you know, and I get a song idea, I'll quickly type it in my phone. Um, on Evernote, and then when I get back to my computer, I can kind of uh, develop the lyrics a little bit more, and, and I like that there's a recording feature uh, embedded, so you can just embed little notes here as you go through the song. Um, so I use that for, uh, I mean, really for pretty much everything that I'm, I'm doing, so that's that's a strong tool. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't, um, I also exercise is, is really important and I find that people that, that kind of have a regular exercise routine, it just kind of helps get your wheels turning and gets you excited for the day. And I find the days that I don't exercise, I'm much more lethargic and I actually get less done. So even though I'm spending you know, more time uh, at the office, which is my house, um, is, is really like, even though it's more hours here, it's, it's, not, as much, um, it's not as much as accomplished, I guess. And so um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, but it's still some days are, are kind of overwhelming and, and I wish that I could accomplish more. Um, sometimes I have to step back and really uh, take a look at the grand picture because a lot of times I get caught up in a lot of the day to day and I and I forget to to look at, you know, where the entire uh, direction is going. And so I think it's important um, occasionally to to step back once in a while and really look at the grand visions like are, are we still on path kind of thing do you yeah. do you have any sort of um set routine so hey all right i get up in the morning and the first thing i do is i don't know review your to-do list so you refresh your mind of what needs to be done and then you know i mean do you have a little 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 bit of routine that you try and follow every day um I should have a more, I guess, concrete routine. I mean, my routine is basically I wake up, um, and I'm sure a lot of people do this, grab the phone. And I mean, I go straight to Twitter, and I kind of catch up on all the news. And so I might spend the first, I don't know, hour of my day just reading through a lot of articles, just kind of keeping up with what's been happening. And so I've, I have um, my, my Twitter list, which is just kind of uh, the main news that I care about. Um, and so I keep, I, I try to, you know, stay up with that. Um, and then I, I usually, you know, I'll, I'll go to the gym pretty much right away. And, and, uh, if I'm going that day and then I'll come back and dig into emails. Um, and then I, because I do so many different things there, I can't really necessarily follow a strict routine because some days I'll have an audition. So I need to run to that audition across town, uh, for some TV show. And then other days, like I'll, um, you know, have a consulting session that I'm doing or other days uh, I'm going to write an article. So I kind of write an article. Or some days I'll just get inspired um, 
while I'm working on something else and I'll, and I'll pick up the guitar and, and write a song right there. So it's, I don't necessarily have a strict routine because I'm doing so many different things and every day is kind of different, which kind of keeps it interesting, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. there's just so many different things that, that well, t- tell us a little bit about this, this book you're working on. Yeah. Well, it's, you're done with it, right? I mean, it's been turned in. It's been turned in. My editor has What's that it. all about. Um, it's called how to make it in the new music business. Um, so it's basically all the stuff that I've been talking about on Ari's take and a little bit on digital music news, um, kind of over the last few years. Um, it's with Norton publishing and it's basically, um, it's going to come out this November, uh, but it's practical tips, uh, for independent musicians on building loyal following and making a living as a musician and kind of, you know, the new industry. Uh, so using, I, I talk about a lot of the things that have come up, uh, and come out, I, I should say in the last 10 years or so. And, um, it's obviously written, you know, from a working musician's perspective. So it's kind of, I, I reference a few things that I've gone through, but, but a lot of it is really about, um, you know, speaking to the musician and kind of helping them and, and, uh, seeing what has resonated most, uh, from the musicians that have read Ari's take and the feedback that I've gotten through that. And just a lot of the uh, really successful independent musicians that I've met and played with and toured with over the last few years and just kind of seen how they've done it. Um, and I continue to meet so many musicians um, who actually, like this past year at South By, I was walking down the street and these guys come up to me like, oh man, are you Ari from Ari's take? I'm like, yeah, like, dude, we're on a 40 day tour because of you. Like you helped us book this entire tour. Like without you, we wouldn't have known how to do this. And dude, this is like mid tour. It's like, guys, come here. This is Ari. And like, wow, like that's That's exactly why I'm doing it is, is to like help artists, like, you know, dedicated artists, like, learn how to be successful and, and, you know, turn their careers into successful things. Cause I, you know, I feel we're, we're all in it together. And that's like, sure. That's the philosophy and mentality that I, see and I like to maintain and and really in the working artist community is that like there is no competition really we're all we can all kind of rise together and uh, the longer you're kind of in it uh, in the music industry just in general um, you start to you know you see the same faces over and over again and everybody if you kind of scratch their back they'll scratch your back and it just sure. all works out and helps out um, yeah. so yeah that's, that's basically um, the book it's being edited I'm waiting to hear back notes from my editor right now but uh yeah, Derek Sivers uh, is writing my foreword, my preface. Oh, He's nice! CD baby. Yeah, that's that's exciting. I can't wait for that to come out. We'll we'll certainly uh, promote it and give you a plug. Thank I'm, I'm you. looking Thank forward you. to reading that. Now, since you work with all of these, you know, yeah, it's DIY artists, but it's also you know, I know a lot of artists and managers who read what you do that don't deal with you know, kind of the do it yourself because there's really practical information there. And it's kind of like if you, you know, you're an idiot for not knowing some of this stuff, but unless you've experienced it yourself, which you have, you know, you've gone out, you've promoted a show, you've played a show, you've done recordings, you've got those recordings out, you know, and then marketed those recordings. Because as we all know, the number one reason people don't buy your new release is they don't know it's out. So you've got to get the word out to people and, you know, let them experience it, let them hear it. Have you had any kind of luck with... A, a couple challenging areas. One, getting your music into film, TV, commercials, that sort of thing. And then number two, I'd, I'd love to kind of get your take on, you know, you talk about the new music business, you know, with streaming, you know, with Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, you know, to a lesser degree, you know, Tidal. What, what's your take, no pun intended, on kind of approaching those uh, DSPs? Sure. So, um, okay. Well, first with, with, uh, I guess the licensing world that you mentioned. Um, so actually I just, uh, last week I just got one of my songs in a GMC commercial. Uh, so I found out about that, uh, which was great. Uh, I mean, I've been, you know, pushing licensing, uh, for the better part of, I guess the last five years or so. Um, I work with a few, independent, uh, non-exclusive licensing companies. And for the people that don't know what that, that is or that means, uh, it's basically uh, a licensing company is a company that will help independent artists just get their music placed in film, television, and commercials. Um, and there, there are licensing divisions within publishing companies, but now, especially over the last 10 years, more have broken out, and not even just broken out, have started up 
because yeah. there are so many more independent artists and that's solely what they do is they just work to get your songs into um, into film, TV, commercials and games. Um, so I worked with a few non-exclusively um, and that one of them got me this GMC spot, uh, which is great. What's the track? Uh, it's, it's my song Cold Water. Uh, it's off of my latest album and uh, it's the inter- instrumental version. But I, I mean, it's like... I always thought it could be in a car commercial. I didn't write it for a car commercial, and I didn't. Uh, sure. I didn't like anticipate that, but when it came out, I was I kind of thought about it. it's kind of an epic kind of turning, driving yeah. you know thing, and so like it works really well. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and so you know, it's it's definitely something where I started when I started getting into it. Uh, I think five six years ago, I did all the work. I kind of acted as my own licensing company. Like I researched all the music supervisors. I watched the shows. I found sure. I, like pinpointed the shows. I'm like, Oh, this show uses a lot of music like mine. Um, I think, Smart. you know, this, so I basically like a uh, perfect example, I guess my first, uh, huge, like really big, uh, placement was on the show one tree Hill. Uh, this was back in uh, 2010. Uh, and they were using a lot of music like mine, or at least like the record that I had out at the time. And so I researched and I found who the music supervisor was. I followed her on Twitter. Um, and then one day she tweeted, uh, she tweeted, it's really hard to fit all this music into my budget or something like that. So I sent her the song that I thought would be best on it as an MP3, um, just as a direct MP3 download link. Yeah. And I'm just like, well, here's a freebie. And uh, like literally five minutes later, she tweets back, ooh, I really like this. And then um, I, I followed up a couple times, didn't really hear anything. And then five months later, I get a contract in my email saying, we're using your song on Tuesday's episode. I need this back by 5 p.m. today. <laughs> and that's how it works. You know? <laughs> I, like, I didn't even, yeah. you know, yeah, it, it was crazy. Um, and so, and it got played, and it was, it was a huge placement. I mean, it was, um, they did, for the record, they did pay me for it, even though I told them it was a free, but um, it was, they used the entire song, all three minutes and 43 seconds of it, like come back from commercial, the song fades up. Yeah, my vocals are in it. And then like it spanned four scenes, the scene faded out, my voice faded up. It was crazy. I got good fan, my iTunes sales skyrocketed that night. Um, so that was cool. And so that like turned me on like, man, this is serious business. Like I gotta, <laughs> I gotta- You went after that. You did that yourself. Just, and that's something Michael and I talk about all the time is that instead of kind of sitting back and waiting for things to happen, you kind of went out and made that happen. I did. And, and um, I, you know, that was a success story. But at the same time, I have contacted probably 15, 20 other supervisors on other avenues and shows, which I didn't get or didn't hear back from or so, you know, so it kind of goes, but it's all about persistence. So like at the same time, I didn't put all my eggs into that basket. I'm like, oh yeah, One Tree Hill would be good. Followed her on Twitter. He got her, he found her email, read a bunch of interviews she'd done and did that. But I did that with everybody. And so um, say another story with the, uh, with uh, Chop Shop there, they do, um, they do Grey's Anatomy and the Twilight movies and a lot of other stuff. Uh, started by Alexander Patsavis and she she did the OC back in the day. But Grey's Anatomy was another show I thought that my song would be good on. Uh, so I read, uh, I followed them all on Twitter and I think, oh, it was one of the supervisors at Chop Shop wrote a blog post that said, um, man, I'm really craving uh, Samoa's Girl Scout cookies and we can't get any in Los Angeles. And at the time, uh, I was in Minneapolis. I'm like, well, man, I like they're right down the street. I can go grab some. So I went and bought some Samoa's Girl Scout cookies. Nicely done. On the box, I wrote her a note. <laughs> said, like, hey, uh, saw you're in need, and I and I sent the package to the office. Um, and she wrote me back. And ever since, we kind of have a cordial email back and forth. Um, and they were very close to placing one of my songs in a Grey's episode, but it didn't end up working. Um, I think they only wanted unreleased music for this episode or something like that. But so it's kind of like, you know, starting to build up those relationships. Um, but then again, you know, that's time consuming. And, and so finding licensing companies, I always encourage artists these days, you know, to, to find licensing companies that are passionate about them, that will work with them because contacting music supervisors, especially now in 2016 is very different than it was in 2010. Like when I did in 2010 and I tweeted her the song, 
it was still fairly new in the sense that musicians didn't really understand the power of licensing. I mean, they, they understood what it was and everybody kind of wanted their songs on it, but they didn't know like what music supervisors were and how to go. Now it seems that the floodgates have opened yeah. and now every supervisor I talk to and like on panels that I hear them speak on at South by or ASCAP, that kind of stuff. Uh, a lot of them say like, we just, they get they get bombarded so much that they just won't open emails anymore from artist from people they don't know. Uh, so that's why it's important to work with a licensing company that's that they know that's reputable. Um, and but, it's but, not- but but to that point, Ari, isn't that also why it's important to spend some time getting to know these people before Absolutely. you pitch? I mean, a, a, as you said, it it took work and it took time. Yes. But don't just go find that person on Twitter and your first tweet be, "Hey, here's my song. Can you put me in your TV right. show?" I get yeah, that. To your point, time. you know, a licensing company they'll have those relationships, and they they know that they're going to bring a level of quality, and that they'll have those conversations that you might not be able to get in 2016. Sure, exactly, and and it can go both ways. I mean, you can, uh, as an artist. Um, you know, work to find these supervisors, especially in LA. I mean, it was uh, there, it seems, you know, there's just one or two degrees of separation from everyone in the music industry here once you're here long enough. Um, And so it's kind of, there's one night I was playing trumpet with my uh, friend's band at the Hotel Cafe and they had just signed to a very large licensing company. The entire licensing company staff was there. A bunch of music supervisors were at the show. And because I, I don't want to call it stalking, but I kind of, I looked them up online. Like I, I've known what <laughs> music supervisors look like just because I, you know, I look at their interviews. You and, did your research. Yeah, it's, I get, yeah, it's doing research. It, it's not, I guess it could sound creepier than it, than it is, but, um, you know, it's like I, I knew who these were. So I, yeah, I was almost starstruck just seeing all these music supervisors who I, right. you know, been admiring and following their work for years. And so I kind of went up to a few of them and just like, struck up a conversation and and we started chatting you know about their kids and just about anything non-business like you don't want to go up to somebody and the first thing i was like hey i'm a great artist you should listen to my music yeah here's my cd thanks (laughs) (laughs) no no so you know we just started chatting and we exchanged like we followed each other on instagram and and that and then you know I uh, then got the email, and so that's a kind of you know way that you can kind of work start a relationship um, or uh, personal referrals are best. Like when I talk to licensing companies, um, I just interviewed Lynn Grossman, who is Ingrid Michelson's manager, and she also runs uh, Secret Road uh, Licensing Company, um, and she said like she. And Secret Road in general doesn't really take unsolicited uh, requests from musicians who just hit them up and say, hey, we want to join Secret Road roster, listen to our music. Uh, they say referrals are best. And so I always tell musicians, like, if you're looking at a licensing company you think it would be good for you, uh, or even a music supervisor, find the connections. Look at the licensing company's roster and see all the other bands that are listed there and find a band who you may have a you know, a connection to or know any of the members in the band or Facebook the band and just say, hey, really love your stuff and start up a relationship there, then get to know them, maybe play a show with them if they're in your if they're in your town, maybe co-write or go out to the bar, just hang out. And then once you've like built a genuine relationship, you say, oh, like, what's your experience with your licensing company? Like, oh, yeah, they're great. They just got us placed on this and this. Like, oh, do you think, you know, we're looking for a licensing company. Do you think you can make a referral? Yeah, of course. You're friends, and not you know friends like helping friends out. So sure. it's kind of um, you know That's you don't want to. It's not like necessarily being calculated about your relationships, but it's just being genuine and and really doing your research and just kind of figuring out the best ways to really approach that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Gotcha. So well, that, I, that that go ahead. Oh no, I was just getting to the next streaming thing you mentioned but yeah uh, yeah yeah. that's what i was gonna i was gonna that's first of all thank you for that that was awesome and and on the streaming side i know how challenging it is you know on the major and major indie level to get into you know uh artist curated playlists you know the dsp curated playlists and to get in those top, say, 12, 15 slots that get a little bit more uh, spins than others. W- what's your experience and how, how have, you, have you had success getting your music onto, say, uh, you know, Spotify, for example? 
Well, you know, real quick question. So before you answer that, okay. just as an artist, what is your opinion on streaming services? Are you in favor of them? Are you against them? <laughs> is, it an, is it kind of a quagmire right now? And I don't want it to turn into a big discussion, but... Sure. You know, love to get your, I'd love uh, to get your it. take. I, I, as, I can, as an artist who's also a marketing person, what do you feel? I can, it, real quickly, um, I love streaming services. I think they're the best thing to happen to the music industry. I, it's, it's, there's no debate that streaming is the future. Um, they're, you know, they, it, they get a bad rap because artists are actually quite ignorant to the breakdown of how royalties actually work and who's responsible for it. Spotify, very, you know, very well known that they're being sued by two different parties right now, class action lawsuit. Everybody's like, oh, Spotify's so evil. Spotify's got a bad rap. It's not, it's not really Spotify's fault necessarily that these types of royalties and licenses weren't acquired. It's the organization that they hired to, that they contracted out and they put their trust in it. We could go down this rabbit hole, but the thing is, is like a lot of artists just don't understand the nuances to this whole system. Spotify pays out 70% just like iTunes does. It's like, you know, if, if you want to be upset with somebody, be upset with your label that put a stipulation in your contract that said, if we negotiate any major catalog deal with our, every artist in our label that you don't get any money from that. That's why you're not getting any streaming royalties is because your label negotiated that deal with you that you signed and your lawyer just didn't catch it because this was right before streaming really hit and they didn't really understand what that clause meant. So there's a lot of nuances that, that get lost and, and the headlines read, you know, 148 million yeah. streams and I only got $4,000. It's like, okay, but A, the songwriting royalties, B, that's from Pandora, C, you co-wrote it with four other songwriters. And D, those laws, that's, uh, the royalties you're talking about are performance royalties, uh, which are much, much tinier than streaming sales royalties. And those performance royalties are from ASCAP. And you could then, you know, get upset with ASCAP about how they calculate the royalties. So there's just a lot of nuances and a lot of, um, you know, you got to keep digging deeper and deeper and deeper. And yes, it is very confusing. And I understand why artists, it's difficult to understand and I've spent my entire career trying to understand this stuff and I have a pretty decent handle on it now. Um, but I think streaming, it's, um, I think it's, it's one of the best ways that, um, artists can get their music out there. And, it, you know, it really has been the democratization of the music industry. And now, you know, yeah, like you mentioned, uh, streaming playlists are kind of the curated playlists are kind of like the new radio. Mm-hmm. And they can break artists. And um, but the thing is, is like I think a lot of artists think that it's all kind of under the table wheeling and dailings, and like, oh, I'm going to pay you, and you get me included on these playlists because there are some kind of shady playlisting companies that are doing that. Yep. Um, know. But Spotify doesn't do that. Like the actual Spotify curated playlists, uh, they're not. And I've actually talked to quite a few artists that randomly got their songs featured on a Spotify, official Spotify playlist with hundreds of thousands or millions of followers to this playlist and they, their plays shot up and they yeah. have no idea how or why or what happened. It's just, it just happened. So those kinds of things are starting to happen and then Spotify became their number one income source because of yeah. that because they started getting tens of thousands of dollars um, from those streams. So it, that's possible. Um, my, my friend uh, Ron Pope who uh, we toured together, we did a 60-day tour around the country. Um, he uh, he was kind of a MySpace star back in the day, but uh, he's huge in Europe. I mean, he's actually pretty big here. He plays about uh, six, seven, eight hundred people a night. Uh, but in Europe, I mean, he's he's playing festivals in front of thousands of people um, and venues. And Spotify, he has come out and said, is the reason why. I mean, is it's one of his largest income sources. And if anybody, like he's an independent artist, he was making... Uh, I mean, he was selling like one or two million downloads on iTunes, like right before uh, streaming hit. And so if anyone should have been scared to death of streaming, it would have been him, this indie artist that was selling so much on iTunes. But he said that all of these people, especially in Europe and especially in kind of Norway and Sweden and where it all started, uh, where he has a giant fan base there, even though they're such tiny countries, um, he's like, they picked right up 
from where iTunes kind of left off, they went to streaming and he started seeing uh, his income and in streaming skyrocket, but also his plays and now his fans. And so it's really happening um, where if you if you kind of approach it right, it can happen. And now that's not to say that all you need to do is just upload your music to Spotify and now you're going to be a star. Like, you know, yes, there's so much music out there that, that getting discovered is, you know, difficult. And so you have to follow, you know, go the route of doing your research and figuring out, okay, who are curating these playlists and how to talk to them and and you know Spotify artists uh, I think it's spotify.artist.com or something the Spotify artist website that they have they give some really helpful tips on how you can maximize your Spotify uh, there's actually very few artists know this but there's a direct line to someone who I've met at Spotify and her entire job is just working with artists she's the artist rep and she just emails back and forth every day with them and so getting to know her and getting to know kind of how like ways to do that um yeah one of my new singles uh got included on a uh best new music monday uk great that's like, awesome i've never played the uk and it got included on a uk playlist and i got uh twenty thousand plays on that song that week and that was wow. great you know it's like those kinds of things um and i i don't know how that happened necessarily um but may, I mean, I've been emailing uh, with that Spotify person, and um, I've tried to get a bunch of my other songs on other playlists too, and I, I have not been successful with that. So it's like you know, it's not it's not easy to do it. Like I I, I went the route of following all of these playlists in sim same way that I w approached the TV shows. I'm like, all right, my song, this song would be perfect on this playlist, and this song would be perfect on this playlist. And I sent the list to the Spotify person. I'm like, hey. Like, can you somehow send them to your Spotify playlist curators? And she's like, yeah, I'll send it. But just so you know, like, they're very protective. Uh, there's kind of a church and state between the people who kind of run Spotify and the curators. Uh, yep, Spotify same this same at Apple. Show. Yeah. And they're like, the curators don't really like any interference, uh, which is good because you don't want the labels, you know, there are people with the Influencing deepest pockets. Influencing it. Yeah, yeah, go to Spotify and be like, hey, here's a million dollars. Get us featured on all these playlists. So, you know, that's uh, to their Good credit. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of the way it breaks down. And I, um, but uh, yeah, so I would love to be on more playlists. Uh, I personally haven't cracked that, but I've seen other artists do it. And so, um, you know, but then you just start pushing and, and uh, focusing in other areas uh, simultaneously. Right. And some of these other things that you're doing, whether it's getting something in a, film or a TV show or a commercial or going off on a 60-day tour. All of these things are impressions. All of these things add up. And these curators, they go to shows. They watch TV. They go to movies. They listen to the radio. You know, I think all of those things kind of work together. It's not one silver bullet. And, and yeah, absolutely. And what I've actually found um, that a lot of these curators are reading blogs or reading the hip uh, music blogs. And so I have, I have like virtually zero blog press recognition. My kind of music doesn't get written about in blogs. So you kind of, you know, before, before you think that blogs are the magic bullet and, and you know, go and approach <laughs> blogs, like you got to know what the hip indie blogs are writing about. Sure. They're not writing about acoustic pop singer songwriters. They're just not. Are you talking about like the pitchforks of the world and their uh, pitchforks, consequence of sound, stereo gum, uh, yeah. pigeons and planes. Uh, yeah, there's like there's probably about you know fifty to a hundred that are really uh, significant. There's a lot of them, and, and yeah. basically but you bypass that. You've got your own successful blog. I mean, well, you've got a lot of people <laughs> read your blog, sure, yeah. right? But the, the curators, uh, Spotify curators, are not reading Ari's take. <laughs> I don't know. You might be maybe. surprised. I, I, maybe, uh, yeah. But um, yeah, it basically like all the blogs that are uh, included on uh, Hype Machine, on HypeM.com, they're the ones that uh, all of these curators, most of them I should say, are reading Hype Machine and the artists that are trending on Hype Machine, they're kind of listening to and doing that. So that's one way. And so I found that artists that start trending on Hype Machine or get written about by a lot of blogs then end up happen to appear on some of those kind of uh, electronic playlists or indie playlists or kind of the hip hop playlist, the, the music that gets written about a lot on these blogs. Um, and so that being said, you know, 
there are playlists for every genre and every kind of music, but the blogs are very specific in the kinds of music that they review. Um, so there's different ways to approach it. But like you said, like you know, they're out in the world, they're living life, they're music lovers, they're music fans. That's so. right. And sometimes they discover stuff. I one of the, one of the artists I work with um, is a French singer named Surreal Ame, and she's wonderful. All of a sudden, last week, Perez Hilton did a big thing. He just discovered her, yeah. and on his own, I mean, you can pitch stuff to Perez just like you can pitch to Stereo Gum or Pitchfork, but with varying degrees of success, right? Sure. And it was just kind of a, a beautiful thing to have him rave about this wonderful French you know, jazz singer, mm-hmm. you know, and it was just so out there. Like, And I'm sure that's what you find uh, from time to time, but I wanted to ask you, you'd mentioned something earlier, um, do you consult or meet with, you know, young new artists and kind of, uh, as a business, kind of consult with them and kind of help them along with some of the things that you've maybe learned the hard way? I do. Um, I have, uh, I started a kind of a consulting thing just because I've been getting so many uh, requests for it. So uh, I don't really push it, but there's a link on, on Ari's take um, that if people want to consult with me for about uh, you know hour and a half or so, we can kind of set up a Skype session and just kind of dig into their project one-on-one and any questions that they have. Uh, but I do make very clear on the – I have a, a page for it that explains what the session is. And I make really clear. I'm like, listen, like I'm not going to be able to turn you into a star after our one session because – I had no? to clarify in there because, believe it or not, there's they a lot second, of Maybe the second session. Yeah, that like come <laughs> to me and it's like, okay, here's the music. Like, what do we, And it, a lot of times it's parents. It's like parents are the worst. Yep. I mean, like, I'm sorry, any parents that's watching this and you're a parent, you're probably not the worst. You're the outlier. You're probably cool. But, <laughs> but like, I, I, have, I have consulted with a few parents with their kids, with their young kids, and they think they're like their kid's so talented, and their kid may be talented, but there isn't one or two or three things that I can tell them to do that they're going to turn into a star that they can do tomorrow. They're looking for the quick fix. Right. They're trying. They like. They're you know they, uh, some of them come to me, and they're like, all right, we got a great music video that we paid twenty thousand dollars for, and this great record that we played fifty thousand dollars for. So how do we turn this into take over the world? You know, she's the next Taylor Swift. What do we do? It's like, whoa, <laughs> you know, like yeah. there are steps that you can take. Do you, and- your, your answer is, do you have $10 million? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. I'm like, all right, you, you know, we can, we can talk about that. But it's, I think a lot of times is, is and it's, it's, it's unfortunate in, um, that we didn't have the conversation before they dropped 50 grand on the album and $10,000 on the music video because I would have told them like, better ways to allocate that money and how you should go about recording it. And unfortunately, there is a very thriving business right now uh, of producers, engineers, studios who, I don't want to say pray. In music and in acting and in modeling. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, especially where you and I live, it's rampant. It's, you know, they'll contact them via Reverb Nation and they'll say, hey, you have, I love this song. Uh, here's my list of credits and they're all famous artists that you've heard of and and they get artists get wowed by this because they're naive and they don't realize that you can get anyone to work on your album if you pay them enough money like anyone in the world it's yeah. not you know and they think that because they have this long list of credits and they contacted them and saying hey you know they think they're being discovered and really at really what it is is that these people are looking for work and they're not, you know, if anyone comes to you and say, hey, I'm a producer and I want to develop you with a producer deal, you don't have to pay me anything and let's do this together. That's different. That is being discovered. Right. That's someone saying, like, I believe in you enough to work for free for a long time and to develop this into something that I believe can be much great and that will return, you know, dividends later on. That's very, very different. And that's a very important distinction. If somebody comes to you and says, hey, you're amazing, and I worked with, with all of these famous chart-topping uh, artists, 
I would say number one, go to allmusic.com and fact check them and see what did they do on those uh, on those famous albums. Right. Were they the assistant engineer, you know, plugging in cables and making coffee, or were they actually the you know photographer? Did they were they a gopher? Like, what did they do? Right. Yeah. And, or were they, were they actually the producer? Did they actually mix the record? You know, um, in in some of them are legit. And it's fine, or you know, but but some of them haven't worked on a, a big record in twenty years, and so it's like, well, do they really know how to make a contemporary sounding album if they really okay. haven't done much for twenty years? So, um, you know, fact check them one, but also two, um, you know, just understand that they're looking for work, and it's they may be very talented, they may make your album sound fantastic, and that's wonderful. But they're not going to turn you into into a star uh, because they have these connections, and that's that's where I think um, it gets a little bit on the shady scale. Is because these these producers and engineers kind of flaunt their credits, as in, if you work with me, you can be like them, and I'll introduce you to them. Even though they don't mm -hmm. say it in so many words, they basically Imply. infer yeah. that they will be introduced to all these labels and pushed at all these uh, artists when really they're just gonna do the job and move on to the next job. And I think artists really need to understand that because I've seen this so many times and a lot of a lot of people that come to me, they say, hey, we paid this guy, you know, $40,000, we had to take out a second mortgage, but hey, we got this great album, like, oh, man, and, and, like, and then what? Like, what happens? Like, well, we haven't really been able to get in touch with him anymore and we just, you know, he won't respond to us. I'm like, yeah, because you paid him and he did this job and that's it. So, I, you know, I think it's just important to understand that if you're going to, you know, if you have an investor, if you have a budget, if you're going to make a go at it, like, get smart from the beginning. And I always encourage for indie artists a 50-50 split. 50% of your money and budget goes into the creation of your project, whether it's an album, a song, a music video, and then 50% of that budget has to go into marketing and has to go into promoting it because... Even if you have the greatest record of all time, if you have no money to promote it and no fan base to no, jumpstart no, it, no, no one's going to hear it. And that's the unfortunate reality, even though we're in an era with, with you know, open internet, streaming, Socials, YouTube, yeah. social, whatever, it does take a bit of money to push it. And so, and I've run into the same trap. I mean, I like, listen, I'm an artist. Like, I get it. Like, I want my album to sound as best it possibly can. And I want to put, pour as much you know, resources into it that is necessary to get the kind of uh, product that I think that, I, well, at least that I can be proud of. And I know that it costs money and I get it. But at the same time, I've seen what happens when I release an album independently with very little resources and marketing behind it. And I got some of the best players in the world to play on it. I co-wrote with some of my favorite songwriters and it didn't explode out of the gates. And I think that's the most frustrating thing for all independent artists is that our, we believe this our new album, our new song, is one of the greatest things that we've ever created, and it's not getting the immediate recognition. And it's tough, and you just kind of have to keep going and keep pushing. And you know, two years after I released this album, it got a GMC commercial, but it, you know, it, right. it didn't happen the week it came out, which I was hoping it would. Right, um, and some of the top artists out there didn't hit when their records came out sometimes it took a year more for you know the buzz to build up or the radio air player for them to hit the road or a lot of different things it, it takes time you know but i do believe that kind of cream rises to the top but to your point if you're not marketing it and people aren't hearing it you're in a vacuum you know and well, there you are know, a lot of tools the to cream that. rises to the top but the persistent ones rise to the top that's the thing it's just like being good isn't enough um, and it, your cream isn't going to rise uh, if you know if if no one is there to kind of help that right. along, and and if and yeah. if if you're not actually you know uh, stirring it in that coffee cup, if you're not the one that's that's really if, like yeah, if you give oh, up after a month, right, doesn't matter how good it is. You yeah. know, you've got you've got to sit here and go. All right, I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep doing it. And yeah, a year later. It cl yeah. something clicks, and, and yeah. you're competing now with. It's not like where you used to compete with just the LA bands that are playing, you know, these little you know clubs right. and larger clubs. Now, when you put something out, you're competing with Taylor Swift. You're competing with because people are listening to those playlists. You're just a beautiful song on that playlist. Right. You know, you've got to be as professional 
and as good sounding as you possibly can. But to your point, you've got to put some marketing into that too to get the word out. And the thing is, is that, and again, even, and I, I meet a lot of really awesome dedicated artists who are like, okay, we realize it's not all about the music and we are going to push it, but where should we devote our efforts? And I, and I understand and, and I sympathize I, uh, because it can be very overwhelming because there are so many various avenues uh, to pursue. And so, um, you know, it's like, there's so many social media sites out there right now. So where do you focus your efforts? And a lot of artists feel like, oh man, we got to be everywhere. But then when they're everywhere, they're not good at any of them. And so they're just, they're awful everywhere and it just doesn't help <laughs> them at all. So like with, with social media, I found um, at least is like, yeah, secure your username first when it comes out. And, uh, but pick one, pick one that really inspires you, that you understand that you get and, uh, that you want to devote your efforts into. Now, I'm not saying neglect the others, but I'm saying get really good at one. And then it, like by, by rising with that one, it'll bring all the other ones up. And then you'll start to understand how your fans from this one are interacting with you on these other uh, avenues. And then you can kind of figure out how to work those. But put your efforts into the one. Like I meet so many YouTubers you know, that started on YouTube and built up the hundreds of thousands or millions of subscribers uh, on YouTube. And it's not that they neglected everywhere else, but they focused on YouTube. They it was their full time job. Every day they woke up, it's like I'm doing YouTube. I'm figuring this out. I'm you know writing a song today. I'm putting making a music video. I'm doing a cover song, making a music video, and their work ethic is out of control. Like I've collaborated with a lot of these full time YouTubers, and I'm mm -hmm. telling you, like their turnaround time, it will make your head spin. Like I've literally gone. Uh, been on my way to a studio when my collaborator like texted me the YouTube link to the cover that we were going to cover when I arrived at the studio and she's like this is the song and I'd never heard it before so I'm listening to it as I'm driving there we get in the studio and we're like all right we we figure out an arrangement for it real quick we get in we record it uh within three hours it's done mixed done and and then we we shot the video while we were recording it in the studio we uploaded it the next day i'm telling you i hadn't heard the song 24 hours prior and then it got a hundred thousand views and i'm like what the fuck like that yeah. in my mind like i'm not a youtuber like i didn't put my efforts and focus into that but i i've worked with them and i get how it works and like they got it down to a science um, and then there's some Viners out there, the people who are on Vine that succeeded there. And then they kind sure. of the Snapchat. Um, and a lot of them now, once you get really good at one, they're like, okay, I've mastered this. I understand how it works. Now I can work the other ones. And so, you know, I think it's with social media, it's best to focus on the one, but also with all your, uh, every aspect of your music career, like I think you need to understand what kind of artist you want to be. And, you know, a superstar, that's not what you want to be saying uh, from day one. That's fine. If you want to be a superstar, cool. Like, look, that's your, that's your, you know, five to 10 year goal. But like, what does that mean? Like, break it down. Like, do you want to be a live touring artist or do you want to just be an at home studio rat recording artist, YouTuber? A lot of these YouTubers never tour and they don't want to tour. It doesn't interest them at all. So it's important to, do you want to be a licensing artist? Do you want to, you know, do you have a family? A lot of my friends out in LA, they never tour, they never play shows, um, but they support their entire families just on licensing income because that's their entire focus. So that's what they do is they record and they write music and they work with licensing companies and music supervisors and they literally supporting their families on just licensing income and they don't have a desire to tour. So it's important to, to make these kinds of goals and really step back from the, I want to, you know, just be a, a superstar or whatever, and just really understand it's like, okay, you want to make a living with your music. That should be goal number one and how to reach that. There are different avenues and ways to approach that. And so once you figure out what kind of artist you want to be and where your strengths are, that's when you can start to get everything in line and move in that direction. Awesome. That's yeah. all, that's awesome advice. That's awesome advice. Um, Ari, we got to we've got to wrap up here in a few minutes. Okay. Um, but I want to make sure I give you an opportunity. All the plugs you want to plug right now. We talked about your book, but sure. anything else? Do you want to drive people to the website? Do you I have mean, something that new out new release? Um, all my stuff is on Ari'sTake.com, or I should say, all my 
pretty much everything is on my website, ariherstand.com. So that's where my music is. That's where uh, even my latest Ari's take uh, blogs are, my music videos, uh, acting stuff. You can keep up with what I'm acting. Um, I would just encourage it for the musicians to, to sign up on my Ari's take email list. So if you go to ariestake.com and just sign up on the email list, then you can get, uh, I, I send out a lot of tips articles pretty regularly and just that kind of stuff. Um, and then, yeah, so those two sites and you know, I'm, I'm everywhere on, on all the social media sites, uh, at Ari Herstand, um, and at Ari's take, uh, I separate them as kind of a split personality thing just cause Ari's take, I kind of keep very fo focused on the tips and, uh, the articles specifically for musicians. And then Ari Herstand is just everything else. And, and my, my crazy outings and my mine just wherever I go. So <laughs> that gets a little crazier over on that side. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Great stuff, man. Great conversation. Yeah, it's great. Continued time. success with the music. Like I said, yeah. I really dig your music. Thank you. Um, and I can't wait to read the book. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Ari. Thanks. Thank you. Take care. See that was one um, of my favorite conversations. Yeah, I love chatting with Ari. Just such great, um, great advice. So many good little tips and tricks of what to do yeah i could i could talk to him for hours um i think from reading his blog and his emails there's so much practical advice not only for you know kind of do it yourself uh you know musicians but also management you know anybody who's kind of in the business there's some really great advice in there really looking well, forward yeah, to you know what i what i love most is he's he's talking from experience yeah you know because there's a lot of people that will give you advice, and then you're like, oh, wait a second, you've never worked with bands, you've never been in a band, you're like a self-proclaimed expert. Expert, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I really You know, like, it gets yeah. to what he said, you know, you've got to look at somebody's credentials. Yeah. What did and you, what did you do? His. Oh, you actually produced the album, or you swept up the studio after the album was done? Right. You know? Yeah. Um, and, and to his point, was that 20 years ago? Because the industry's changed in the last six months, let yeah. alone the last six years. Yep. And, you know, I've had a chance to kind of go through and listen to a lot of his music, and it's really good. Um, it's really good stuff. I can see why it would be in a commercial or a film. Um, it, it's the real deal. And and that's what that's what you know, the beginning of our conversation was, I was just like, you know, he's not just a weekend warrior musician. He's a professional, successful musician, and he does so much stuff in writing and tips and advice and marketing and, you know, hat, 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 hats off. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, that separates success from not success is, that perseverance yeah, and it comes back to something you've brought up multiple times uh on this show and that is folks do your research yeah. how many times have you said that do your research do you know it's easy to do google it go go look things up and that's kind of what he was stressing and was behind some of his success right you know with music supervisors with streaming whatever it was uh, i can't you know underscore that enough how important that yeah, is you know and 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 I I understand the fact where he said, you know, I, now I'm moving to licensing agencies to represent me because it's a lot of work. But he ha he did it himself first, so he understands how that business works. He understands the people. If you do that yourself, then when you move to having somebody represent you, you're in a better position because now you can ask the right questions about what mm -hmm. they're doing on your behalf. Because you know how it works. You know what to do. You know what not to do. Yeah. If you just walk in and just have no understanding, you're trusting everything they say is the way it is. And it's not always the case. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Good so, conversation. Good conversation. Love, love speaking with Ari. Um, that's it, guys. All right. Until next week. Thanks, everyone. Bye.